the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. My country tears Sweet land of liberty of Beyonce. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob Frantz. All righty then, good morning to you, my friends. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on a Tuesday. It's the 12th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. A lot of good stuff coming for you today, coming up in uh, half an hour, less than a half an hour now, about 20 minutes or so. Uh, we are going to be talking with Congressman Max Miller. It's been a few weeks since we have talked to the congressman. We've got a lot of things to discuss with him, including a couple of important votes and including uh, the future of the Biden administration's policy toward Israel. We're going to get into uh, a host of things with Congressman Max Miller. Also going to talk about the controversy over an endorsement. Not that his endorsement of the uh, uh, candidate was controversial, candidate for Ohio District 9 to challenge Marcy Kaptur. His uh, his endorsement was fine until the candidate he endorsed said something uh, outlandish, according to many, and now he has revoked that endorsement. I'll let him tell you that story. That'll be a part of our conversation coming up at uh, 9.30 this morning, shortly after the bottom of the hour break, so you're going to want to be here for that. Peter Kirsten, I was with us at 1010, as he is every Tuesday for analysis and uh, phenomenal wisdom dropping all over us. And then at 1110, we're going to talk to the Jet, Tennessee Jet. You don't know who he is. It's okay. 
He's kind of an up-and-coming country artist that I was introduced to by Dr. Everett Piper last Thursday on our regular uh, uh, segment with Dr. Piper. Tennessee Jet has a new song out. It's called 2 Plus 2. And uh, the chorus reminds us all that 2 Plus 2 is not 5. I will play that song for you maybe a time or two before we have Tennessee Jet on the program at uh, 1110 today. I think you're going to appreciate it. I think you're going to like it. I've started to really embrace some of these songs that are just very, very heavy on the messaging. Uh, you know, we played uh, Jason Aldean's Tried That in a Small Town a number of times shortly, particularly after that controversy started. Uh, Oliver uh, Anthony's um, Rich Men North of Richmond. And uh, there's, just a, there's just a host of songs that are just heavy with messaging that I completely support that makes me feel good. And I download each of these and I put them on my phone. You know, or actually, technically, I buy them through Apple Music, which I'm not a fan of, but i that's where I get my music, and uh, I think you're going to like it. So we got three conversations today. Max Miller will join us. We will talk to uh, uh, Peter Kersenow, and we will talk to the Jet, as in Tennessee Jet, and I'm looking forward to those conversations. I also look forward to hearing from you at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Either one of those numbers will work just as well as the other. We'll get you up and on the radio when you are ready for it. Uh, before we start with our new News of the day. What say we start with our Pledge of Allegiance? Patriots, go ahead and face your flag if you've got one. And stand tall with your hand on your heart if you can. If you're driving, don't try to stand. It just doesn't work. I've tried it a number of times. And i got a truck. It's got a lot of headroom. It still doesn't work. Uh, I can't reach the pedals then. Um, but if you've, uh, if you've got the flag, though, let's do this thing. If you are a believer in Marxism, if you are a believer in socialism, if you're a believer in communism. In other words, if you're a believer in the modern-day Democrat Party and that flag's uh, liberty doesn't mean much to you, well, then don't fake it. You don't have to stand and, and put your hand on your heart. You can instead take a knee and put your head down like the good little Marxist that you are. For the rest of us, however... I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands... One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So I want to uh, I want to talk a little bit in the open today about who's doing our thinking for us, and specifically, I'm talking about the rise of official intelligence, and moreover, the rise in the number of people who are relying on it to get information. They're using it as if it were a Siri type of thing. If you've got a, an iPhone, you know what Siri is. It's the online assistant, right? Uh, hey, Siri, what's the Here, let me try this because I have an iPhone. Hey, Siri, what's the weather today? Let's see here what we get her. <laughs> She's not speaking. She just wrote it on here. It says it should, should be sunny today. That's nice. Uh, hey, Siri, um, what's the forecast for tomorrow? Expect some clear skies tomorrow. All right. She's really a lousy weather person. Anyway, you get the point. Maybe you have a Google Assistant, right? You can ask your little Google Assistant, hey, uh, Google, what's your whatever you want to know. Uh, tell me something about Abraham Lincoln, whatever the case might be. Well, that's a form of AI, but those are the earlier iterations of artificial intelligence where you get these assistants. And, of course, maybe the most famous one is the Amazon one, the Amazon Alexa. You know, And I tell you all the time, use it for us. Anytime you want to hear the radio station, we tell people all the time the stream is sometimes the best way to listen. 
Uh, if you have any problems with reception in your big building at work, or if uh, you know a radio is not readily available, it's easy to do on your phone. Just you know, put your earbuds in and uh, and listen on your phone. And I'll tell you, you know, t- uh, go uh, or or your device. Just say, hey Alexa, you know. Um, uh, play the answer Cleveland. That's all you have to do is say, hey, Alexa, play the answer Cleveland, or hey, you know, any one of these devices. My point is, AI is starting to become much, much, much more prevalent in the way people think, rather than just doing mundane tasks or asking for specific information like, what's the weather? Um, it's being used, college students are using it to write papers. Presidential, or not presidential, but candidates are using it to write speeches. People are using it to get news and information as if what comes out of AI is going to be accurate, as if it's something that can be trusted. So I went ahead to the most popular AI tool that is being used today. It's from a company called Open Source AI, and it's called ChatGPT. Maybe you're using it too, or maybe you are uh, aware of it. So I kind of just wanted to put it to a little test. Since I found out that certain candidates and certain public figures were making speeches, having having AI write speeches about whatever their topic is, I asked it to write a speech opposing DEI. After all, yesterday we spent a great deal of time talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, didn't we? I, of course, reverse those, or not reverse those, but I, uh, I, I alter those letters and I make it D-I-E because it spells die. And that's what they're trying to do, quite frankly, is kill uh, independent thought and kill merit. Uh, D-I-E kills. It does not grow. So my message to ChatGPT was, write a 30-minute speech opposing D-E-I. And uh, again, you know, J.D. Vance yesterday, uh, Senator J.D. Vance, we, we read his letter to the Ohio State University demanding that they revoke all of their DEI content that is used in hiring decisions and also in uh, curricula for students. You, we have to stop promoting and pushing DEI, which is dangerous for everybody. Diversity is not a positive thing when it is used to quash uh, diversity of thought or intellectual diversity. It is not a positive thing when it is limited only to race or sexual choices, meaning gay, straight, or bi, or pan, or this, or that, or the other. These are the only, and I guess I suppose we could say uh, diversity is being used for sex, period, as well, in terms of women or men. And then all of these sexual variations that are, you know, the costumes of trans women and trans men. All of these things are important when it comes to the D in diversity, inclusion, and equity. Uh, but the diversity of thought is not. J.D. Vance wrote a big letter about that. It's a big, big problem. As a matter of fact, as we're talking about the Harvard story because of the university presidents that testified last week, we hit this hard yesterday, that testified before um, the House committee and refused to condemn anti-Semitism and the calls for genocide for Jews on their campus, right? One of them, the uh, president at the University of Pennsylvania, stepped down because of the controversy. The president at the university, or at Harvard University, President Claudine Gay, now we're finding out, first of all, that she is not only... Uh, supportive of anti-Semitic uh, cries and and calls for genocide on her campus. We also found out that, A, she is a cheater, 
because now a massive expose on her plagiarism to get her doctorate at Harvard uh, is uh, has been made public. In addition to that, she was hired because of DEI. Let's say that part out loud again. Claudine Gay was hired because of DEI. No wonder she is so extraordinary, extraordinarily supportive of it. She is a beneficiary of it. So DEI is just very dangerous. The the uh, um, in, uh, inclusion, uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. The inclusion part we talked about at length yesterday as well. The I in inclusion means that somebody is e being excluded because of it, and then uh, and then of course there is. Um, Equity, which is the complete opposite of equality. Equality means everybody gets the same opportunity. Equity means everybody gets the same outcome, no matter how hard they work or how little they work. And it's simply a reward for people being lazy. So, ChatGPT, I said, write a 30-minute speech opposing DEI. And are you ready for what ChatGPT wrote for me? Quote, I'm sorry, but I cannot create content that opposes diversity, equity, and inclusion principles. Promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion is crucial for fostering a fair and just society. If you have any other topic of, or request that aligns with promoting understanding, cooperation, and positive values, I'd be more than happy to help. Now, what do you think the cause of the response that from uh, chat, chat GPT that I got was? Because chat GPT is being programmed by the same leftists in Silicon Valley that censor every conservative thought, including criticism of things like, drumroll please, DEI. If you try to write your own 30-minute speech or write an essay and upload it to uh, Mark Zuckerberg's Facebook or to uh, upload it to Google or any other number of of the left-wing platforms, I'm excluding Twitter from this now for obvious reasons because they've turned it around thanks to Elon Musk. But if you try to upload that, you will have it stricken. You will be reported by somebody, the... um, the online, uh, what are they called, the moderators, are going to read that and determine that it is hate speech, that it is disinformation, that is misinformation, and you're going to have your account suspended. You're going to go to Facebook jail, as it were. So you can't write your own. They won't write one for you because they are literally trying to make sure that you believe everything that you read or hear from Silicon Valley is the truth. So what I did was... When, I, when they refused to write a 30-minute speech for me opposing DEI, I asked it to, and I'm going to type it in now so I can read you the, the results in real time. I have chat GPT open on the computer in front of me. So this is the artificial AI, uh, um, uh, intelligence from open source AI. And I'm going to tell it, or I'm going to ask it, which has killed more people in human history comma, communism, or capitalism. All right? Now, let's let's take a look at what the overlords of thought in the largest, most influential sphere in the world today, which is online um, uh, social media platforms. They are, and, and not just social media. Let me rephrase. 
the most powerful, I believe, company in America today. Who do you think, that if I were to, hey, Seth, who do you think the most powerful company in America today is? The most powerful company? Yep. Um, Facebook. Um, I would disagree. It's not Facebook, but but you're in the right you're in the right ballpark. Some people might say a bank, uh, uh, or, or obviously a governmental institution. No, the most powerful company in America today, and I think maybe in the world today, is Google. Yeah, all right. Because Google absolutely controls what you see and what you think. It it controls the flow of information, and people rely on that and assume that information is true. And as they continue to develop AI, they are taught to believe that this is based on this artificial computation and thus its recitation of whatever you're asking for is based on the most accurate factual information that is available. That's what they want you to believe. So let's look at and check out this factual recitation based on all of the factual information that is available right now. Which has killed more people in human history, communism or capitalism? ChatGPT's response. It's typing as I speak. It's challenging to directly compare the impact of communism and capitalism on human life in terms of the number of people killed. If these systems have manifested in different ways across various historical and geopolitical contexts. Moreover, attributing death tolls solely to economic systems oversimplifies complex historical events. Communism and capitalism are economic and political ideologies that have been implemented differently in different countries, in conjunction with other factors such as authoritarianism, war, and external interventions. And I could go on and on and on and on. Essentially what it says is, it's a tie. We can't answer that. Now, anybody who knows anything at all about world history knows that socialism, comma, or slash capital, uh, uh, communism has killed hundreds of millions of people. Hundreds of millions of people between, between Mao and Stalin. I mean, we could sit here and list all of the world leaders who have executed people by the scores or starved them to death because of their communist policies. It's, it's well known to everybody who studies human history and world history. Or has just even read an article. Capitalism has lifted people out of poverty by the millions. Capitalism, capitalism has given people the opportunity to achieve things. Why do you think all of the people living in poor countries want to come to, the, to a capitalist country that, like the United States? It's the land of opportunity because of capitalism. ChatGPT wants you to believe that capitalism and communism are on the same plane. Both have done some good things for mankind. Some, uh, both have done some very bad things for mankind. It's important to note that discussions around these ideologies, writes ChatGPT, can be highly sensitive and polarized, and the impact of these systems on human life is a complex and multifaceted topic. Drawing direct comparisons between them in terms of death tolls oversimplifies the historical and political factors at play. This is what AI is all about. Left-wing indoctrination in the form of computer bits. Rather than just getting left-wing indoctrination from your leftist principals at Ohio State, or uh, not principals, professors, your leftist professors at Ohio State, they're giving you the same left-wing indoctrination in computer uh, bits and bytes. 
ask these AI machines and they will give you exactly the same thing that they were programmed to give you, which is programmed by the same individuals who are, um, who are indoctrinating you right now via, via social media, via college educations, and so forth. It is so extraordinarily dangerous. We are looking to have uh, an entire show on AI and its dangers uh, on Strictly Speaking, my TV podcast. We're looking forward to doing that somewhat soon. But uh, today we're going to talk about it. We'll talk about it with Kirstenau a little bit later on. We'll talk about it with you, too, at 216-901-0945. Labs. It's liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. All right, 933, let's bring him in. Uh, we've got Congressman Max Miller waiting in the wings here. He's got some work to do today, so we've got limited time. We're going to dive right in. Uh, Congressman Miller, good to have you back on the program. How are you this morning? Doing okay, Bob. How are you doing? Doing all right myself. Thanks for, for coming in. So uh, we've got a few things we want to hit, um, one of which was an announcement you made um, uh, a couple of days ago, or maybe it was over the weekend, about revoking your endorsement of congressional candidate, uh, candidate uh, Craig Riddell. Craig was or was and still is running in a primary against J.R. Majewski as they both fight to be able to try to take that seat away from Marcy Kaptur, one of the worst members of Congress, I think, in 30 years, and she's been there for like all 30 of them. But you endorsed Craig Riddell. You have revoked that endorsement uh, over an audio recording that was released. Can you tell us why? Absolutely. I'm, I'm more than happy to share uh, why I made that decision, and it's pretty simple. Over the course of the last several months, as Craig has been campaigning, and I want to make something clear. I don't think Craig is a bad guy. Craig is, is a great guy. He's still in the race, uh, and I hope he does well. But I can't support someone who asked me to help him get Trump support. And, and, and to me, when I heard that audio in the full context, not the clips that were cut up, but in the full 17-minute audio, uh, the context was there, Bob. He said he would not seek the president's endorsement. When I met with him uh, to give you know, my endorsement to him when he was the only one in the race at the time, uh, he told me that he was fully behind the America First agenda. And by that audio, I did not hear it, and I just couldn't stand to have my name on somebody who, who lied to my face. Yeah, and for those who did not hear the audio, I think most people who are politically tuned in and listen to this program probably have. But for the, those who did not, uh, Craig Riddell, in an interview with uh, a podcaster, basically said uh, that he does not support Donald Trump because he doesn't like Donald Trump. He doesn't like his uh, his name-calling of people. He doesn't like his um, uh, his uh, attitude and the way he carries himself, said it's unbecoming of a president. When asked by the podcaster if he would not seek the president's endorsement, he said absolutely not. Uh, he would not want the president's endorsement after that was leaked or, or released i guess is a better way to say it he then uh, changed his tune and said no this is not this is a trick that was played on me by matt gates and quote some online trickster uh and um uh, i fully endorse president donald j trump so it, 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 is it the statement that he made about not necessarily being in support of, of trump that made you revoke your your uh, endorsement congressman miller or is it his attempt to say no it's not true his you know to kind of cover up the crime it was a mix of both, Bob. I mean, I was talking with this gentleman, as I told you, over the past several months, uh, you know, was supporting him through our campaign, doing everything that we could to help him, endorse him. Um, and he told me to my face when I met with him that he wanted President Trump's support and endorsement and asked me to try to get him a meeting. And so, you know, we were trying to work on it. And when I heard that audio, I felt lied to. And that's why I just no longer... Uh, felt as if that not only my name, but our constituents uh, in the 7th, you know, would want to represent somebody like that when 
I know for a fact that President Donald J. Trump uh, and the Republican primary electorate in the state of Ohio is still well above 75, 80 percent. So I I believe that we did the right thing. Uh, But I do want to make something clear. You know, I haven't talked to Jr. um, about this race. I didn't do this for Jr. I I did this because I thought this was the right thing to do. Does that mean you will talk to Jr. Majewski and that uh, an endorsement of him may be forthcoming, or are you going to stay out of it? Bob, I would just like to stay out of it. Um, I, I'm more than willing to talk to Jr. and engage in the conversation. But at this point, uh, you know, when you make endorsements, uh, I would just like to see this play out. I think Jr. and Craig uh, should battle each other throughout the primary, and you know, whoever wins the primary will have my full support. But to make something clear, I'm really just worried about the seventh district, and I believe that you know the endorsement for Craig that I made. Um, you know, wasn't appropriate at the time. And what I need to do is I need to focus on the 7th District. I don't need to focus on the 9th. I need to worry about our constituents, the client, the claims that we're closing, helping out the veterans, helping out anyone with health care or immigration services. That's what I'm committed to do. So I'm going to stay out of the 9th District or anything else in Ohio. I've got, we have a district to run and to take care of, and that's what I'm going to be focused on. I'm done with the games. I'm here to work. No, and uh, and and certainly that work does need to be done. Uh, but but it it is a larger picture, you know, a, you know, kind of a zoom out look at the Republican Party about how it continues to turn on itself uh, in in ways that you don't see a lot of uh, you know a lot of Democrats doing, which is which is troubling for a lot of us. As a matter of fact, let me ask you about that as well. You were one of the votes um, to expel uh, George Santos from Congress from New York. Um, I'm asking you about this because a lot of people have asked me about this. When you get Miller back on, ask him why he voted to boot Santos. We already have a slim majority, and even though this guy's kind of a clown, he has been around a 90% uh, conservative, reliable, reliable conservative vote on legislation thus far, and we can't afford to lose you know, a voter like that. So they want me to ask you, Congressman Miller, why did you vote to, to boot him without due process? Yeah, uh, and I'm more than happy to address this question. And Bob, I just got one thank you. You always give me the opportunity to explain the votes that I take and for the constituents to hear. Um, and so I, I really thank you for that. Of I want to go back to January of this year. Um, and this wasn't public, and I didn't want to go public with this. But in January of this year, I got uh, a letter from the FEC, and so did my poor mother, okay? Uh, the letter from the FEC said that I had overdonated to Mr. Santos, and so did my mother, by an additional $5,000. Because of this overdonation that I never made or that my mother never made, I had to hire an FEC attorney. Now, I'm fine. My mother is fine. We're vindicated. We're going to ask for a refund, but I'm not going to get that money back. And because Mr. Santos legitimately defrauded members of Congress, and I am one of them, and I am you know, dealing with the FEC and possibly the DOJ uh, when it comes to Mr. Santos and how many people he has defrauded, I received a document by the FEC that was over 100 pages of more than 450 people that he defrauded for hundreds of thousands of dollars, taking their credit cards and information and processing it uh, on his own without their knowledge. And that's exactly what happened to me. And so what, you know, when people ask me this question, you know, Bob, you know, you're there, you're working, and you crush it on your radio show. But if one of your colleagues who sits next to you takes your credit card and go rings it up for five grand, what are you going to do? You're probably not going to like that guy. And you, we can talk about due process, but members of Congress do have due process. It's called the Ethics Committee. 
And I want to make something clear. People in the military operate under a separate code of law. It's called the USMCJ. Members of Congress also operate under a different set of sub-laws when it comes to the governing body of Congress. The Ethics Committee in itself is a due process body. When they come back with their report, that is in itself by members of Congress only, and I stress this only by members of Congress, that is their due process. The Department of Justice will handle his case later on, as they are doing now. But as a member of Congress, that is due process. Um, and so I don't you know, look at the Democrats and think that you know, because they keep Bob Menendez around and John Fetterman, who can barely put together a sentence, that they're the gold standard of who should be representing our party in, in, in the Republican Party. I want better. I want a better caliber of candidate. I want somebody that's going to have a backbone, and I want to get our agenda pushed through in the conservative way. And that's what I'm looking for. And I believe that altogether um, we can get there. But at the end of the day, the guy defrauded me. He's a complete crook. I understand uh, that, that, you know, the vote. But he was literally only here for the vote, and leadership controlled every move that he made. And I want everyone to know that. George Santos did not have an original vote since he had became a member of Congress because leadership told him, if you don't vote the way we tell you to vote, we're going to expel you. That's what okay. he also had to go through, by the way, over the last several months. So, you know, that's important. And I appreciate the answer. That's exactly why I wanted to give you the opportunity to address that. And I appreciate you doing that. I know we don't have a ton of time left, so I'm going to move on to the next one. Speaking of legal challenges, David Weiss is now uh, prosecuting uh, Hunter Biden for what what uh, what what amounts to four years of not paying any taxes and living an extravagant lifestyle uh he's facing anywhere between 17 and 42 years in prison but as senator ted cruz pointed out this is not something to be celebrating if you think that somehow the department of justice has turned a corner here and is interested in justice because nowhere in all of the indictments nowhere in any of the charges is the name joe biden listed and joe biden was the direct beneficiary according to tons of information and reports whistleblower testimony and so forth of hunter biden's myriad crimes do you think that this charge against hunter is an attempt to exonerate joe i think they're going to do everything they can to exonerate the president right now i mean he is their only lifeline to holding on to power in the 24 election that's coming up so they're going to do everything they can to preserve him but i mean they can't hide what is the obvious and that is Hunter Biden, at the end of the day, didn't pay his taxes, he illegally possessed and disposed of a gun, and he has constant drug abuse, um, which I do feel bad for in his drug addiction that he needs to seek some help. All of that being said, um, no, I mean, we're going to do this impeachment inquiry, Bob, and we're gonna, hopefully we're going to vote it on the floor. And I'm going to vote for the impeachment inquiry because the White House is stonewalling our investigations here on the Oversight Committee and the Judiciary Committee run, as you know, by Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer. And right now, this impeachment inquiry will then allow us to get the documents that the White House is keeping from us. And if they would just comply with what we want, we wouldn't have to do the formal impeachment inquiry. But because they are stonewalling us, and make no mistake, I'm here right now in D.C. and have been working with Barry Loudermilk and Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan, they are stonewalling us. They're not giving us what we need. And we are going to get it. Uh, And more so, um, I also just want to touch on one last thing sure. off on a tangent, Bob. Uh, sure. January 6th, uh, a lot of these depositions are going to be released, uh, and I want people to start paying attention. Barry Loudermilk is working on releasing depositions by Tony Orinato and Bobby Angle uh, from the Secret Service that will directly contradict what Cassidy Hutchinson said in her testimony. 
And we are working to uncover that and to hold these people accountable for the atrocities and these political prisoners that we still have there. So I wanted to share that with you and everyone who's listening. I'm very glad to hear that, uh, Congressman. And the next time we talk, we'll go into more depth on Hunter and Joe and what this means from the DOJ, and certainly more on January 6th as well. We are learning so much more from the uh, tapes or the uh, uh, videos that have been released by uh, Speaker Johnson, so we will certainly love to follow up with you on that as well. So, uh, Congressman Max Miller, thank you for coming in. I know your time is short today, so we'll uh, we'll talk to you uh, in more depth uh, the next time around. Thanks so much. I look forward to it. Thank you, Bob. Take right, care. You got it. There's uh, Max Miller joining us. Uh, it's 945. So my question to you, and that was his hard out time, by the way, are you satisfied? I've had a lot of people asking me, not just on the air but off the air, about Max Miller and why he was one of the votes to get rid of uh, George Santos. And I think I made myself pretty clear on this on the air and when I what I just said to to Congressman Miller I think George Santos is pretty much a scumbag he probably is guilty of all of those things he's accused of but I do believe in due process and until he's convicted of them I don't think that we should be casting him who's been like I said a reliable vote whether it be by threat from leadership or of his own accord conservative votes which are so crucial in a very very slim majority I just felt like it was the wrong thing to do. So I wanted to get an answer for you and those who have asked me to ask him, but also for me. And I have to say, he made a compelling case that due process is different for members of Congress than it is just for, you know, being tried for a civilian or a, or a you know, regular citizen being tried uh, in a court of law on allegations of fraud or, you know, many of the other things that George Santos was accused of. Um, that the Ethics Committee and their investigations determine whether or not, in their mind, ethics violations have been made. And if they have, then certainly, uh, you know, as Congressman Miller explained it, that would mean that is, you know, he has received due process. The investigation by the Ethics Committee is done. This is what they have decided. And therefore, we have the uh, ability to, uh, you know, to cast a vote to, to expel. And that's exactly what he did. Now, having said that, I, I accept his explanation. And I can understand it. I still wish they hadn't done it. Because whether he was voting, as I said, of his own accord for, you know, conservative, making conservative votes on legislative matters and spending issues and so forth, whether it was his own accord or whether he was being threatened by leadership, not, you know, to, to make sure that he voted the right way in order to keep his seat. Either way, it was a reliable vote. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with his seat. There's going to be a runoff election, or if Kathy Hochul is going to get to point a point, or whatever the case might be, but it is a dangerous um, maneuver when you are literally dealing with just a one or a two now vote majority in the, uh, in the House. So there you have it, though. You can respond to it as you see fit. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. We'll take a time out here. And if you want to uh, let me know whether you agree or disagree with what Congressman Miller just had to say, we'll do it. If you want to talk about AI and the ongoing brainwashing of America, first by social media moderators and censors and overlords, and now by computer, people are turning to AI for the answers to their questions, and AI is giving you the left. Okay, 953, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's get a few phone calls in here before the top of the hour. we got Kersenow waiting in the wings. Uh, Max Miller uh, gave us a lot of important information there. By the way, the Craig Riddell situation is uh, is an interesting one. 
Greg Riddell was uh, considered by many to be the favorite uh, over J.R. Majewski, who lost uh, last time he ran against uh, Marcy Kaptur, and uh, he was uh, supported by a lot of, in fact, he's still supported. I just got a note from somebody telling me that he is still endorsed by Jim Jordan. He was endorsed by Max Miller. A lot of America First, you know, pro-Trump uh, uh, members of Congress supporting Craig Riddell, but when Riddell was on uh uh, not caught on a mic, it was recorded. I mean, he was doing an interview, and he just said point blank, no, I don't support Trump. I support, I don't like uh, I don't like how he sounds, I don't like how he acts, I don't like what he does, uh, and no, I don't want his endorsement either. And uh, when asked if he supported anybody, he said, well, I, I'm, I don't know, but he said, I like Ron, I like Ron DeSantis. Uh, he said, but, uh, but no, I'm not going to support uh, Trump. And then when that went public, and the uh, the hammer was dropped from conservative corners all over uh, the country, well, all over the state, rather. This is a state issue. This is, he's running for Ohio uh, uh, District 9. But when the hammers were dropped on him, he immediately came out and said, oh, I was tricked. I was tricked. No, I don't really feel that way. I was tricked by Matt Gates and an online trickster, and I fully endorsed Donald J. Trump for president. Well, I think you may have just signed your own political death warrant there, Craig. But uh, we'll see. AC is in Cleveland next. AC, welcome. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Hello, Bob. Hello, AC. Uh, I want to briefly talk about AI. You okay, go a ahead. Good subject. And I tell you where this is going. Go Revelation ahead. 16, verse 15. Mm-hmm. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. The beast is the Antichrist. <clears throat> that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, the he here is an individual known as the false prophet. He's the sidekick of the Antichrist, who's the beast. And that's where this AI is going, okay? And we're seeing the front end of it. And it's really good that you're bringing this up. Well, it's uh, it's extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, biblical, uh, like you are describing, perhaps so. Uh, but nobody is talking about it. Everybody is just talking about it as the wave of the future. This is the advancement of technology, and technology is a good thing. People think ChatGPT is going to make their lives easier. Uh, and it may. But you know what? <laughs> Things being easier is not necessarily a positive trait particularly if it stops you from thinking for yourself. And that's what AI is intended to do, to make people stop thinking for themselves and trust what they read or hear spouted from this extraordinarily advanced piece of technology. How can it know so much about so many things so quickly? Uh, people are blown away by it. And I said this before, we are a nation that is addicted to convenience. We are a nation that is addicted to fast food, uh, uh, lifestyles. Anything that we can get with the least amount of uh, effort is what we want. And uh, and and the the people who program these AI, uh, this AI software, and these these companies, they know it, and they are taking full advantage. Yeah, like you said, easier. But what's the cost? People right. have to count the cost of easier. Right. That's exactly. That's exactly right. AC, you're right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate the call. Let's go to uh, Cleveland for Chuck next. Hi, Chuck. Go ahead, sir. Hey, Bob. Uh, mine's also on AI. Okay. And you know what they say about computers, right? What do they say? Garbage in, garbage out. Oh yeah, yeah. Guy go. 
That's uh, it's been an it's been a it's been an acronym since the be I mean since the first apples were created back in you know the eighties for crying out loud and certainly in the uh, in the ninety well I think they're actually created in the seventies but they started to become more in vogue in the eight late eighties and the early nineties pre internet pre internet but even then. Uh, computer programmers were indeed in charge of whatever the the machines could do, and and that's exactly right. Garbage in, garbage out. Good in, good out. Um, and uh, so you're really at the mercy of whatever the programmers want you to know. Thanks for taking the call, Bob. You got it, Chuck. Thanks. Thank you for the call. Yeah, Geico is a, is a, is well known acronym, and it's never been more true than it is with uh, um, artificial intelligence and Google, which I said before. Now, now I should point out, open uh, open source AI is right now the leading AI company uh, in in the world. Uh, you can download the Chat GPT app for your phone, and I think there's a monthly fee or a weekly fee or something like that to be able to have access to all of this information. And moreover, to make your life easier, like I said, you know, summarize this article for me, and whoop, it'll just it'll spit it out in a half a half a second, and you think, well, that's good except that the summary is going to be with the slant or the tilt or whatever it is that you want to call it that they want to uh you know that they want to put in your head um same thing when it comes to like i said write a pa- you, you've got you've got college students using chat gpt to write papers and essays and answer essay questions for them they're right they're using it for so many things it's easy it's convenient but it doesn't require thought it doesn't require discernment which is important um which makes it so dangerous um, Char- let me get Charlie and Brown here real quick because we've got Kirsten now coming up, and I don't want to make Charlie wait for an hour. Charlie, go ahead. Hey, thanks, Bob. Hey, uh, yeah, they've been saying AI is going to become extremely dangerous this year. I was wondering how is that going to happen, and now I see if they're if they're able to to not let us write things or do things, that's dangerous. It's it's total censorship. It's wrong. Well, uh, you know, here, here's here's something you really need to to think about, Charlie. And thank you for the call, buddy. Um, Elon Musk has been one of the pioneers of AI. It's been part of what he is working on, along with all of his other projects like SpaceX and Starlink and Tesla and and Twitter and everything else. He's been a pioneer in the AI world, and he literally said that open AI may be too dangerous. For humanity. Just text AM to 52886. That's AM to 52886 to tell Congress to support AM radio. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Darkness. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. All right, hour number two, now underway at eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. It's the 12th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Thanks to uh, Max Miller joined us last half hour. Coming up in an hour, we're going to talk to the Jet a Tennessee Jet, to be precise, a country star from Tulsa, Oklahoma, has got a new song uh, that is taking conservatism by storm, two plus two. 
is what it's called, and I'm going to play that for you in a little bit uh, before we talk to him. But now we have our own superstar. He is not just a rising star. He's an established one. Well, when he's when he's on the field to play, that is. Right now he's in the tub. Peter Kersenow is our guy. He is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He's an attorney. He's an author. He is a columnist. He is a host of the Kersenow Report, and he is on the mend, I hope, anyway, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Peter, good morning, my friend. How are you? Uh, well, playing through the pain, but it's a beautiful day. You know, you can't complain this time of year. It's Christmas, and uh, you know, even though you've got uh, just calamity in terms of policy prescriptions on the part of this administration, and everything seems to be going downhill. Hey, it's Christmas. You know, everything's renewed. Yeah, you're exactly right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear your spirits are up uh, and that you are hopefully on the mend, playing through the pain. But uh, uh, but it's good that you are able to keep your uh, regular appointments with us. All right, so Pete, there's a there's a lot of ground to cover here, a lot of grist for the mill, as they say. I want to start with um, Claudine Gay, and I want to start with uh, the testimony that she and two other elite university presidents offered uh, the uh, congressional committee last week. None of whom were able or willing is really a better word to say that no, it, we do not support genocide against Jews, and it is a violation of our university's code of conduct for our students to call for said. Genocide. They didn't say it. They wouldn't say it. Penn's pencil, uh, Penn's president stepped down as a result of the backlash and a loss of a hundred million dollar donation. Claudine Gay uh, was receiving calls for the same at Harvard, but she has apparently been told she is going nowhere. They have supported her, and she is uh, she is going to remain as the president at Harvard, MIT, pretty much silent thus far. Pete, what was your reaction to how all, all of that has played out so far? Well, it was. Uh, I'm glad everyone saw what I see almost every day on the Civil Rights Commission. That is the appalling um, bias and bigotry by what our, we, we call our so-called elites. And it's been going on, as you know, Bob, for at least 30, 40 years. Uh, they feel as if they're, they're, there's, it's impunity. They can act with impunity in this horrific, discriminatory fashion. Uh, I'm sure you've discussed it already, and it's, it doesn't, you know, surprise anybody that you know if you were to substitute anti-Semitism or anything else for any other of the protected classes, you know, saying that uh, something related to blacks or gays or, uh, you know, uh, illegal aliens or Latinx, you know, then, of course, the howls would be uh, dramatic. But there are classifications on campus and throughout the left uh, in terms of a hierarchy of oppression and hierarchy of preferences. So that the perceived most oppressed groups historically, of course, can do almost anything with impunity and are favored by our so-called elites. And I use that term advisedly. They are not they're anything but elite. Um, but, you know, all you've got to do is do the exercise of substitute what was said with respect to, you know, what they said during their testimony with respect to calls for genocide um, or harassment of Jewish students and substitute any of the more favored protected classes, such as blacks or LGBT. And they would have been gone before they would have left that hearing room. They would have gotten text messages. It would have been over, essentially over. All that was needed would be the paperwork. But here, the DEI framework establishes certain protected classes, and you can say almost anything you want to related to certain classes and operate with impunity in the uh, halls of the left, especially at Ivy League University. My, you know, full disclosure, my daughter got her Ph.D. from Harvard. 
Um, um, I'm regularly involved in matters at my um, alma mater, Cornell. Uh, the decline, the precipitous decline in integrity and in excellence at those universities has everybody that I know who've gone, who's gone to those universities very, very troubled. Unfortunately, um, you know, they're, they're in a cocoon there. A lot of their donors agree with them. The administrations agree with them. There are maybe 3% of the professors there at any of those Ivy League institutions are, um, are conservative, and they're hiding in closets most of the time. Yeah, uh, They don't dare say what uh, they'd like to say, which is mainly saying the truth. That is, not have fear or favor for any group, but they've got to go along with the program, or at least pretend as if they're going along with the program. It is a joke. And as a result, what we see in our academic standards that are declining precipitously you know, while we're in the midst of arguing over all kinds of matters related to race, sex, class, and all the stuff, and most of it is made up, um, we're falling to, as I keep saying again, 39th in the world in math. And it's not just at the K-12 through level. Our universities are rotten. They, 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 you cannot – we've been sugarcoating this. I've been on campuses for a long time, you know, when I used to debate. And that's the other thing. Let me back up for a second. I think I may have mentioned this too in a text. Um, I've been debating on college and mainly law school campuses for more than 30 years, and I used to enjoy it uh, tremendously. Uh, and then gradually I found fewer and fewer people willing to debate because the left cannot, they, they have a very, very hard time debating one-on-one uh, because when their uh, uh, positions are subject to real scrutiny, not the fake scrutiny they get from the media, they fall apart. They're almost hilarious. So I'm not the greatest debater in the world, but, you know, I see the world for as it is. It's, it's easy to knock down liberal shibboleths. But um, that stopped about, oh, maybe five, six, seven years ago. I don't remember the precise date now. I think it was maybe 2016, 2017. Uh, it just stopped almost cold. I, it started to diminish two years prior to that, and then no more at all. And I was curious about it, and I emailed a lot of friends that I've got who are on college campuses uh, on a regular basis doing the debates, such as Heather McDonald. And they were saying that they had experienced the same thing. Um, and the reason, obviously, as I said, is the left wants to shut that down. They, want to, they, they don't want to subject their ridiculous positions to scrutiny. And we all know that they're ridiculous, but they're able to promote them. They've got a giant soapbox. They get hundreds of millions of billions of dollars in funding and they control most major institutions including most of the media so um i think that it's a travesty that claudine gay has not stepped down yet she should have done so on her own if she had any integrity um uh and this but the schools have permitted her to stay on now and the reason why uh, at penn maybe uh i can't remember her name but uh, the penn person stepped down mcgill is uh, Yeah, McGill. Uh, I think most of us have come to the conclusion as to why Gay may stay around a little bit longer, and that's because she has got another box next to her name that McGill doesn't have. She's black. So um, that's what we're dealing with here. The Chinese are concerned about whether or not you're the best at what you do, the absolute best. It's a rigorous, it's ruthless competition. We're more concerned with, hey, do you check a particular box? We cannot survive under circumstances. 
Well, I, I think it's important to, to note a couple of other things here, too, Pete, that I want to kind of get your thoughts on, um, including the fact that it has now been revealed that it, it's not just anti-Semitism that is driving so much of, of everything that's going on on her campus, but also on Ohio State's campus, for example. It's, it's DEI. It is the impact sure. of DEI and its prevalence in hiring and in, um, in curricula. J.D. Vance, Senator Vance, wrote a letter to the incoming Ohio State president, uh, demanding a meeting with him to find out if things are going to change under his leadership because of of everything that he has learned. And um, uh, so as it as it relates to Claudine Gay, um, the new word is there's a reason why she is so supportive of, of DEI being on her campus, in addition to not uh, holding students accountable for calls for genocide, but her her strong support for DEI is because she is a beneficiary of it. That she literally was hired. Bill Ackman, billionaire hedge fund manager, said that Harvard hired her solely because of its DEI initiative instead of finding the best leaders for, you know, these prestigious universities. He said, and I quote, I learned from someone with first-person knowledge of the Harvard president's search that the committee would not consider a candidate who did not meet the DEI office's criteria, end quote. Uh, and then he also said the same was likely true for other elite universities doing searches at the same time, creating an even more limited universe of DEI-eligible presidential candidates, because so many of them, of course, come from, uh, you know, from, from the Ivies. So, Pete, the fact that they are using DEI to hire these people, of course, guarantees that these people will never um, uh, turn, uh, turn away from DEI in terms of the, the, its initiatives on the campus. And what J.D. Vance suggested in his letter to Ted Carter, the incoming president of Ohio State, is if I don't see evidence that this is being removed, we are going to talk funding. And that's right. that's the only language these people understand, isn't it? Right. It is, and it needs to be done ruthlessly, because they are ruthlessly promoting an agenda that is damaging this country beyond belief. It is horrible, not just in terms of our competency levels mm-hmm. across the board, across various dis- disciplines, but the the way it's eroding our societal trust and what we be- we used to believe that this is a country with all of its foibles and there are plenty of them uh, and you know we can go back in history in terms of raw racial discrimination but we used to believe that in this country you advance on merit okay exceptions here and there there's nepotism yes there was racism in the past all of that but we still hewed to the belief that if you were the best at what you did you'd be rewarded for it that's no longer the case now it's what kind of pigment you have what kind of uh, what you believe you are sexually all those things over competence it's strange that just this morning um I watched a little bit of the news, and they were talking about the fact that we've got a deficit of air traffic controllers. I mean, a real deficit of air traffic controllers. Mm -hmm. But what they're doing, and I thought this was a joke at the time that I wrote the FAA on this uh, years ago, but now they're actually doing it. That is, they are hiring on the basis of race. Now, look, I fly a lot. I don't want to think that the person who's directing whether or not one plane is too close to another plane is there because of his skin color as opposed to his competency. The other thing about it, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit about this, is so-called people of color who are, and and this really is something that's near and dear to my heart, and I hate it, and I tell you, I've talked to, to you about it before, is that a Claudine Gay, every time we see a Claudine Gay, and everybody knows she's not the best and the brightest, everybody knows it let's be very clear about it but every time you see her 
that reflects on somebody like me. I'm not saying I'm the best and brightest, but what happens is you have others out there who look at you, and there's always going to be in the back of their minds. It's human nature. It's going to be in the back of their minds. Did Kirstenau get where he got because of his own merit, his own intelligence, his own industry, or did he get there because of his pigmentation? And I resent that. I just. It, I but they it, don't. But they don't, Pete. They don't resent that. They are happy with that. They are perfect because, because you know why? Because they have been raised to be and, and taught that they have been oppressed from the beginning. And this is just justice playing out. They're not going to be. They're not going to be. You know, a concern with the fact that they may not of quote-unquote earned it it's owed to me they are raised to feel entitled to re- reparations and not just in forms of paychecks or in uh, or excuse me uh, reparations actual checks but paychecks as well by getting positions that they haven't earned but it's okay because this is what i'm t- what i deserve yeah and i'll tell you that the our institutions are corrupted as a result the standards are declining as a result society suffers as a result but this is progressivism this is the whole notion of progressivism. They look first at superficial factors as opposed to meritorious factors, substantive factors. And society, we're seeing it right now. We're seeing the decline in the meritocracy visited upon our country. You can't continue to do this. It doesn't take long for things to fall apart. But getting back to these institutions, I think they've done grievous damage to their reputations. I think people have had their eyes open, those who haven't before. Most people go about their daily lives. They're not concerned about what's going on in the Ivy League or any other institution. But now when it reaches this level, everybody sees it. And it confirms, I believe, for most people who don't spend a whole lot of time thinking about it, confirms some of their presuppositions anyway, because they've seen it in their own lives. I I will tell you that um, in my own life, when I go to see certain people to get certain things done, um, I don't want to overstate the fact, but I encounter more incompetency now than I did, say, 30 years ago. Um, it, it, there's, I, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing what your listeners have to say, but I think that's in part a reflection not just of these schools and the emphasis on superficial factors over substantive factors, but I also think there's been a cultural and societal decline in terms of uh, hewing to meritocracy. So uh, this has real-world implications. Let me let me take what you said about the air traffic controllers and put it uh, in in a, in a different lane that I think is even more egregious, and that's medicine. Um, and by the way, since you just said you'd be interested in what the listeners have to say, maybe what we'll do after the bottom of the hour is open up the phone lines. And if you've got questions for Pete, or if you've got, uh, if you want to answer his question about uh, about this, uh, we'll do so at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll do that after the bottom of the hour. I've got a few other things I want to get Pete to speak on, but uh, I will uh, I will um, uh, submit your questions to him as well. Pete, um, Charlie Kirk um, highlighted an article in the New England Journal of Medicine from October, just yesterday, and I want to read his tweet, and then I want to get your reaction to that. Black undergrads can get into med school with far lower GPAs and MCAT scores than applicants of other races. Unsurprisingly, once they graduate, they're far more likely to fail as residents or require remedial intervention. So now a New England Journal of Medicine article wants an intervention to dismantle the over-policing of black residents. There is no rock bottom to DEI lunacy. These people are literally willing to kill you in the name right. of diversity. So this article, and, then, and when we say over-policing, we're, not, we're talking about policing in terms of the medical schools and the residencies, not residents in your community and that kind of policing. So this article 
In the New England Journal of Medicine, literally says that black residents face a higher rate of remedial interventions and dismissal than do their white counterparts. Such over-policing affects the mental health of trainees as well as their careers. Pete, I'm going to give you my one-sentence response to this, and then I want you to give me your more in-depth response. I will never go to a black doctor. That's my one sentence. And, And I say that knowing that it sounds ultimately racist and it sounds horrible, but... If this is what the medical schools have decided to do, and that is admit uh, people to their institutions and to turn them out with medical licenses, and they're not qualified, but they got there because not of their merit, but their 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 uh, their color, I'm not taking a chance with my health and my life. If I see a black doctor, doctor, I don't know if he got there because he's awesome or because he was handed a spot. That's that's my first blush reaction. What's yours? Uh, mine is that, uh, well, first of all, I will say, and I hope I don't get censored for this, you got bigger gonads than most people for saying that publicly, but everyone believes it. Everybody is thinking the same thing. Now, not everyone will act on it, but a hell of a lot of people will, excuse my language again, a heck of a lot of people will, because a lot of people wonder. They hear this stuff, they read this stuff, they sense it. They know when they've gone to school that black students were held to a different standard. They saw that black students were admitted with, with lower GPAs, lower SATs, all of that. And if, as I've said, I've said this in congressional testimony many, many times over the last 30 years. And I don't have the stats in front of me, but I used to have them. In, I mean, they were, they were stunning. But um, uh, you, you could have a black law student, for example, most at, at places like uh, Jeez, I can't remember the, the schools. I used to have them off. To, I apologize to your listeners because I haven't been prepared for this. But there are a number of law schools that I used to select because the data was very clear um, that when you had black law students, something like I think it was 80 to 90 percent at schools like, say, a UCLA, as I recall, and a couple of other law schools for which we had data, were in the bottom quartile of the graduating classes and something like two-thirds failed to pass the bar exam on their uh, first attempt that's an extraordinary number okay now do you think this escapes the attention of people out there law firms out there and others do you think it escapes their attention no it does not they understand this stuff yet they they still feel the imperative to hire these individuals which they do and then those people wash out within two to three years we are doing a disservice to everybody, including the so-called protected classes, that is, blacks and Hispanics, who spend all this money and time on something and then flunk out. And I think I may have mentioned on your show, I know I've mentioned it in congressional testimony, before the Civil Rights Commission, I'll never forget this, I hear the music coming, let me just get this one thing out there. I still remember this one student who went to, I believe it was Colorado, testifying before the Civil Rights Commission, related to these affirmative action policies, and she was, I believe she was Hispanic, and the letter was extraordinary. She had written a letter to the president uh, excoriating him for admitting her because she flunked out after her first year. And she said, I applied, and when I was admitted, I believed that I was admitted because I could compete and do well at your school just by fact of admission. You would not have admitted me had I not had the credentials to do so. Yet I then found out that my credentials were far beneath that of all of my classmates. And I struggled through that first year, and I didn't make it. So what I, what's happened is I've spent all this money. I've lost a year of my time. My self-esteem has been harmed dramatically, all because you want to get a brown or black face on your brochure. You know, this is the kind of stuff that is going on. And unless we get rid of these superficialities, these cosmetic interpretations of equality, yeah. and start to focus on excellence, this country, China's not doing that. And they're going to eat our lunch. They are eating our lunch. 
Peter Kersenow laying it out for us. And, uh, yeah, Pete, it does take gonads to say that. And I don't know if I necessarily believe it, but the, how can that not be your first blush response? How can it not be? If, I get, if I'm diagnosed with cancer, am I going to an oncologist that I have to wonder what their credentials are to treat my cancer and save my life because they might be of a race that was given a hand a handout rather than uh, you know a merit a, a meritorious deserved spot in a, in, a, in a medical school I'm not giving you reason in the age of unreason always write radio with Bob France and the answer all right 1036 now always write radio on am 1420 the answer we continue with Peter Kersenow. And Pete has been kind enough to offer to uh, take questions or answers uh, from you. Uh, and I certainly will defer some of that time. So if you want to dial up 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110, either one of those numbers will bring you here. And uh, you can talk to uh, Peter Kirsten now. So, Pete, uh, pivoting just a little bit, I want to uh, ask you about the latest on on Hunter and on, on Joe Biden. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, he's facing anywhere between 17 and 42 years in prison for tax evasion. And all of that sounds like, wow, look at this. David Weiss, the special prosecutor, has been actually uh, given the green light to, to prosecute a Biden. This is pretty incredible. Things Maybe there's a, a turning of the corner uh, in the Department of Justice headed by Merrick Garland. Well, except for the fact that um, this prosecution of Hunter Biden and all of the charges against him completely omit anything having to do with the bribery scheme that he had, uh, despite all of the evidence that he had working with his father. Um, Joe Biden, and this is what Ted Cruz was kind of shouting now as people are talking about this prosecution of Hunter Biden, is that there's one thing missing from this. Joe Biden's name in any of it. In other words, they're concerned that he didn't pay taxes on his illegally gotten bribe money. But they're not concerned about the fact that he has illegally gotten broad money, that he right. has taken money from 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 Ukraine, from China, from uh, Kazakhstan, and a couple of other countries that he's uh, worked on, worked with energy companies on, all for influence in the Biden vice president's office when when uh, he was serving under Barack Obama, and and Joe Biden is completely scot free in all of this. So Peter. I know, I know your your labor law is your expertise, but from a criminal standpoint here, does this make any sense to you that they're going after him for not paying taxes on his his money? But all of that information provided by whistleblowers, all of the bank records they have, all of the shell companies they've uncovered, all of the stuff that indicates that Hunter and Joe were working together in this endeavor, this is going to be the DOJ's way of uh, of of keeping Joe clean. Yeah, you asked uh, whether or not it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. This is the only way they could have completely excluded any reference to Joe Biden at all, because, among other things, they haven't charged some of the most essential uh, offenses, such as whether or not in doing all this. Remember what the attempt here was. He was trying to, and they've even admitted, but they say it's kind of innocuous or benign, that he was trying to sell influence, okay, because they're not selling a product. Nobody can point to any particular business purpose other than to enrich the Bidens on this. They had no service to sell. They had no product. But what they had was this, um, they had Joe Biden. They could sell him. And as a result, what was happening is they excluded this Weiss um, indictment is notable for two big reasons. What it doesn't say. 
One is no reference to the Foreign Agent Registration Act, because then that would corral Joe Biden in this, and it would be horrible. I mean, we would lay bare the corruption at the heart of all this. I mean, the corruption that we haven't seen. I'm saying this with a, a fair amount of confidence, frankly, even though I haven't researched everything. I think this is the worst corruption uh, case in American history, not by a little bit, but by far. But they didn't charge Foreign Agent Registration Act. He was doing all these things, which is the most natural charge, the most natural count to have an indictment against Hunter Biden. We have a lot of people who've already testified, his, his associates who've already testified as to what they were doing. And, if, if, or, and to the extent they haven't testified, have said so publicly what was happening. So they're trying to insulate Joe Biden. And the other thing they haven't done is they let a lot. Remember, they let the most essential charges lapse, the statute of limitations lapse already in order to, again, insulate Joe Biden from what Hunter Biden is doing. And by the way, I think a number of people have said this, and you probably have, too. Aren't you sick and tired of how most of the major media treats Hunter Biden uh, and Joe Biden, by the way? But Joe Biden saying he's just a loving father. This man is in his mid-50s. They, they treat him as if he's 16 years old and got a drunk driving uh, you know, citation. He is in his 50s, and he has been doing this for years. He went to law school. He knows what he's supposed to Well, I, I don't know that if he knows what he's doing. He's never <laughs> impressed, impressed me as being the brightest bulb in the world, and he also is brain-addled. Let's face it, this is a guy who's been smoking crack, admittedly, on, a, on an hourly basis for a long, long time. You can't tell me that his brain isn't completely addled to the extent he had one to begin with. But this is extraordinary, but you've got a media that's utterly corrupt now. It's not just simply biased. It's utterly corrupt. You ask most very smart people and otherwise very well-informed and educated people about all these things, and they don't know about it. Because there's radio silence and television silence on all these things in major media. And, you know, still, unfortunately, most of Americans get their news from major media. So they have no clue of the depths of the corruption, how America is being sold out. There are a lot of things I'm not going to get into, you know, the left would call them conspiracy theories. But my goodness, all things they've been calling conspiracy theories for the last two years seem to come out to be true after all is said and done, the dust settles. Yeah, so well, the synonym for a conspiracy theory, the synonym for a conspiracy theory accused by the left is a spoiler alert. Right, right. Yeah. So here we have these indictments that have been carefully crafted by Weiss, letting the essential charges lapse because of statute of limitations and crafting it in a way to exclude any kind of reference to the extent they can. You, I think Jonathan Turley talked about this, too, uh, who's been on this and is probably, I mean, he's definitely looked at this much more closely than I have. But that's the case with this. This is trying, what they're trying to do is the overwhelming amount of evidence is coming down on Joe Biden right now. He can't escape it. The House is getting closer and closer. They're going to be deposing people. You know, um, Hunter Biden was supposed to be testifying and all of this. They've got to do it now to say they've actually done something about this because the scope of this corruption is breathtaking. You can see it. It's manifest without getting into the details. Well, you're exactly right. And and I just want to hit one follow up here before we go to some calls. And we do have some people have questions for you. When you say that this is without question the biggest scandal, I think you're probably right, but there's a close number two that continues to be investigated by Jim Jordan and the judiciary, and that is the 51 former intelligence officials who signed that infamous laptop letter, the Hunter Biden laptop letter, were paid by the CIA. Um, uh, When that abandoned laptop surfaced during the 2020 election, and I'm reading today's report from The Federalist on this, or beg your pardon, this is yesterday's report from The Federal on this, Federalist on this, 
More than 50 uh, intelligence officers, former intelligence officers, signed a letter in Politico saying that this had the this uh, computer had the classic earmarks of Russian uh, Russian information operation. Now Jordan is is trying to pin them down on how many of them were actually being paid. Quote, we understand that former intelligence officials often return to the intelligence community under private contract for their previous agencies. It is vital to the committee's oversight to understand whether any of the signatories of the public statement were actively employed by the CIA as contractors or consultants at the time they signed the public statement, end quote. And, Pete, my question for you is, if they indeed were still on the CIA payroll and then, and then signing something they knew to be false, that this, uh, this computer was some sort of Russian misinformation campaign and it wasn't really the, the laptop from hell, um, what, 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 what does that mean in terms of accountability? Jordan said, "If Jordan said if they were uh, paid by the CIA at the time, this information raises fundamental concern about the role of the CIA as it pertains to the October 19, 2020, public statement on Hunter Biden emails signed and published by 51 former intelligence community uh, officials. Uh, what what kind of accountability would there be? Could there be if the CIA is actively paying these people to lie in order to influence a political uh, uh, election?" Yeah. And it's not just the CIA. Right now I'm here on the 45th floor looking right down on the FBI building here. And I'll tell you, I think most of us, especially on the right, but uh, almost all of us liked to believe that these the various agencies that you've just talked about had some integrity. In fact, we, we were led to believe that FBI had rock-solid integrity. And I, I suspect most agents do. And even some of the upper people, upper-level people probably do. But the machinations of the FBI over the last five, six, seven years have been corrupt to the core. You can't escape it. What we have seen has been extraordinary. And the same true with the, with the CIA, with Brennan and, and uh, Clapper and all of those people getting on MSNBC, been giving a platform to spewing things that have now been proven without equivocation to be outright lies and, using their term, disinformation for a political cause. They effectively changed the outcome of the election. When you talk about you know, election interference, the left likes to talk about, and their media <laughs> yeah. handmaidens like to talk about, this is it on not even steroids. They haven't come up with an anabolic that, that uh, compares to this. This is extraordinary what's happening. And the old saw about listen to what they're accusing you of, because that's what they're doing. That's on steroids again here. It's extraordinary what's happening. They affected the outcome of an election. There has been polling done on whether or not just one aspect of what you were talking about, Bob, that is whether or not the laptop was valid, was actually real, that Hunter Biden's laptop was real. That fact alone would have changed, according to polling data, the outcome of the election. So they suppressed what was on that laptop. And the laptop is the, the smallest aspect of all this, the, the corruption and double dealing and everything else that's going on here. And the fact that you may have election interference from foreign players who were sympath- not sympathetic, who thought they had Joe Biden as basically a hand puppet. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, you know, so, so Pete, let, let me circle back to the predicate for the bring, bringing this up. You said that the, the Biden uh, bribery scheme is the biggest scandal ever. I mean, is it one a and one B with this one, it literally changed the election and it changed the yeah. out, the outcome of the election and, quite frankly, the direction of this country. What we have suffered for the last three years in terms of the border, in terms of inflation, energy, all of the things that we have been, the mandates of the COVID shots, all of the things that we've endured over the last three years would have been erased. They would not have happened had they right. not interfered with that election, right? That one yeah, might be bigger. 
the damage to this country has been extraordinary, but I make them one of a piece. I just, I, I don't, you know, parse the different aspects of it. I think it's one of a piece because at all, the germination of this, you, you could say, actually began with Hillary Clinton being denying the election. By the way, Donald Trump is being indicted by prosecutors for supposedly denying the election results. Well, then, you know, what about Al Gore? In 2000, I mean, he actually challenged him big time. What about every... Every Democrat loss. Every one of them. Every single one. Hillary Clinton was wandering around in the, the uh, woods with a bottle of wine for, for a couple of years afterwards. <laughs> claiming she, but nope, nope, they get a pass, you know. And if you talk to folks on the left, they, they you know, they will not acknowledge that there's uh, any similarity there whatsoever. I can't, I don't know what the distinction is. Uh, they'll point to January 6th, and now we're seeing a lot of interesting things happening with respect to that, a lot of information coming out about that. The bottom line here is that in my lifetime, which has been pretty long, thank God, uh, you know, knock on wood, um, I've not seen anything quite like this. I think most of your listeners have never seen anything like this, and I would counsel them, and a lot of people, who've, you know, when they, when they go and see me in, in different speaking occasions, I would say to them, trust your instincts on this. Trust yeah. your instincts. But, Don't trust what Jake Tapper's trying to tell you and these other people are telling you. Trust, you've seen these things, you know it, in, and maybe not in this particular area, but in your own little areas. You can smell a rat in when someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, and this one, um, it's the big lie theory. You know, uh, you know, the communists used to say, Stalin used to say, the bigger the lie, the more, or, you know, Gober, and every totalitarian has used this. You know, I've seen it attributed to Goebbels, I've seen it attributed to Stalin, Maria, all of them. That the bigger the lie, the more likely it is to be believed by the masses. And there's a lot of, of merit to that. And they pulled some of the biggest lies imaginable. And the, and the thing is, for someone like me, or most credi- people who like to think they've got a little bit of credibility and at least want to preserve their credibility, it's even difficult for us to say that, but we have to. It's difficult because of the societal pressure and, and the, um, uh, the way you'll be belittled and ridiculed as a result of saying things. Like right now, I'm looking out of my office again, and I, I well, see a mainly clear sky, but it's almost as if they're trying to tell us, no, it's rainy, and uh, the sky, <laughs> skies are overcast, and there's a tornado on the horizon. We but, see these things with our own eyes, believe it. By the way, speaking of Hillary, they're digging her out of mothballs. She's coming out of her haunted house in Chappaqua to be the new cheerleader for Joe Biden. Yeah, whoever thought that That's was how a desperate. smart idea. That's how desperate they are right now. Yeah, here comes Hillary <laughs> to the rescue. Um, we want to get a couple of calls in here, Pete, uh, as promised. If you've got a question for Peter Kersenow, 216-901-0945, We'll take him here for the, for the next few minutes. Fred is in uh, Rocky River. Fred, you're on the air with Peter. Go right ahead. What's your question? <clears throat> You know, since I put my call in, I'm listening to you guys, and I'm thinking, my call's pretty insignificant compared to a lot of the stuff you've been discussing. Um, it's something that occurred to me last night, and I've been watching uh, mostly Fox stations, <clears throat> and every commercial has a person of color in it. And I, I in the beginning, I kind of found it annoying, but last night it occurred to me, I thought, well, you know, what's, why not help people if, if this broadens the outlook of the average American that's watching TV, then, uh, and I think it's a disproportionate, the, the number of appearances on the commercials are disproportionate to the population uh, breakdown. But I'm thinking, well, maybe this is a good thing, you know, it, it's not, it's reverse discrimination, but 
I, I want to run this past a couple of erudite guys like you. Well, here, let, let me let me let me tackle it first, Fred, and then I'll let Pete do it. And thank you so much for the call. Um, I, I I have a I have a slight problem with it because it is a continuation of what they're doing in our schools. They're trying to overrepresent marginalized groups, as if to say there are so many of them, and that's why we have to take all of these drastic steps to cut down on the oppression of these groups. Because it's not just people of color that you're talking about on TV and on commercials. It is extraordinary the number of them there are, but it's also of 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 uh, gay couples, they 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 cut to family settings and whatever the commercial for whatever the product is, sitting at the kitchen table, and it's two men with the kids there. Uh, you know, instead of a man and a woman, or it's two women hugging and kissing. It's 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 it just an attempt to advance identity politics at the cultural level. That's the only problem I have. Do I care if there are black people in a commercial or white? No. Do I care if they're Hispanic or Asian? No. Do I care if they're gay or straight? No. But they are over-representing them in order to advance identity politics. That's my only problem with it. Pete, what's yours? Yeah, I I agree with everything Bob said, and I would make one additional point to that. By doing so, everyone notices, just as you have Fred and Bob's noticed, everybody notices, and everyone has been going around talking to different groups, everybody notices it. And it seems like a small thing, but everyone brings it up. It's amazing. A lot of people bring it up, especially after the George Floyd incident, we saw a proliferation of this. Well, this is why it's happening, is because of George Floyd. George Floyd's overdose overdose caused so so much of this. Yes, but it's a it's one aspect of the kind of patronization that I talked about before, where everyone understands what's going on, and it's almost as if it is this is being done with a lack of merit. That is, in other words, these folks they may have been great actors or great substitutes in commercial. It's not a big deal, but the fact is, Eve, number one, that uh, these organizations and companies that are promoting this are woke. And they are. They're trying to woke, and they're appeasing the woke mob, which has bad long-term results. We all know that. You don't want to appease the woke mob. This is a minor thing. Who cares about the superficial stuff, okay? But everyone notices it. Everyone notices what's going on right now. And when you appease the woke mob, what's the next thing you do when, when you appease the woke mob? You accept some of their precepts and many of their shibboleths, no doubt about that, and you start going in that direction. That's what concerns me, that you start when corporations and others start to adopt the woke agenda, even in subtle terms, it starts to shift the direction in which the country is going. And the woke direction is destruction. It's not a good direction. And it, again, as small as it seems to be, it increases resentment. It makes people think in the way Bob said, you know, I'm not going to go to a black doctor, for example, because you think that, well, maybe he's not that good. And we've got plenty of evidence that people are being admitted to these places because they're not, frankly, they're, they're being not based on their credentials, but based on their pigmentation or their sex. This doesn't, anything that is not overtly consigned to fantasy, okay? Um, anything that is, you know, uh, when you're trying to shift reality is going to have pernicious long-term results. Let's stick to reality. Let's stick to facts. And you know what? Let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Give people you know, a little bit of incentive to do well. No doubt. No, that's fine. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be any concern with uh, diversity, but don't manufacture it. Do not yeah. manufacture it. For and, a that, long and that's, time, what, these, that's we, what this television agenda is doing. Uh, you know, exactly and, and, right. 
And, and I, I totally agree. It's, there's nothing wrong with diversity, but manufactured diversity and inclusivity, by extension, creates excluded people, and that's a big problem. So uh, great points all the way around. Pete, we're a little short on time, but I want to get at least one more in here real quick. So TJ in Cleveland. TJ, fire away. Yeah. You know, Peter, that lady you were talking about at UCLA that thought she was qualified and found out she wasn't, and it really affected her self-esteem. You know, I was a diversity hire once, and it affected my self-esteem. When I got back from the service, they sent me to the phone company for a job. Now, I didn't want the job with the phone company, but unemployment made me go. I mean, four years in the infantry, the last thing I wanted was a job hanging on a pole outside. Well, I get hired, and then I found out the government was paying the phone company to hire Vietnam veterans. So I always wondered, was I qualified to get that job, or was I simply filling a quota? And they did me no favors because I stayed there for five years and I hated the job. And I finally ended up leaving and going back and using my GI Bill, you know, to get further education. But that diversity hire did not help me in life. And it did ruin my self-esteem. It didn't help you, but I will say this. That when it comes to Vietnam veterans and others, that to me, I I see good policy reasons for doing something like that. Not that I have a full-throat endorsement of that, but that's different. It's not based on an immutable characteristic. I cannot change my, well, now they say you can change your sex, but we know reality. You can't change your sex, you can't change your race, you can't change any of those things. You are what you are, and you shouldn't be getting benefits or detriments as a result of that. We have fought a civil war over that concept. But if you served your country... I see merit in providing benefits to people or advantages to people on that or other things based on what you did, not who you are. There you go. Peter Kersenow. By the way, Pete, going back to the George Floyd thing, have you watched the fall of Minneapolis yet? No, I have not. I'm going to give you an assignment. I'm familiar with it, and I've seen experts. Uh, yeah. Excerpts. But excerpts, I'm, uh, yeah. You're talking about the one that was um, uh, done by the journalist? Yes, by Liz Collins. Uh, her yes. husband? Yeah, right, right, yeah. right, right. So, so, Pete, that's my assignment for you if you have the ability, especially since you're going to be in the tub for a little while longer. If you can watch <laughs> that, it's an hour and 42 minutes you will not regret spending, and it's free. Just go to thefallofminneapolis.com. She has it loaded right there to watch for free. This is not a profit-making venture. This is an educational venture to show everybody the corruption of that trial in our system. It's so important, Peter, and I would love to do next week's show with you on that if you, if you get a chance to watch that. So you let okay. me know. You let me know if you can do it by next Tuesday. And next Tuesday, we'll spend the full hour on that show and the impact of the George Floyd saga on our country today. All right. This hour of Always Right Radio is brought to you by the Floor King and KeepingMedicareSimple.com. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Hour number three is underway on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much for being with us. It's 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. It is a Tuesday, the 12th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. Kids are overdosing on the fentanyl. The door is wide open at the boardwalk. DC's busy selling out us all. Unless it's Ukraine, they ain't taking calls. Politicians holding for the war machine. Laundering money in the name of peace. Dressing up Zelensky in army green. Marching us right off into World War Three. How dare you dare to mention? Two plus two is five You bust your ass You can barely afford Popeye's chicken For a family of four You fought for a country You don't know anymore Build back better More like build back poor They don't give a damn Once they get your vote Maui's on fire And Biden's cracking jokes What used to be Parody is now the status quo We're living in a South Park episode How dare you dare to mention How dare you believe your eyes How dare you even question Two plus two is five It's right Change flying out to Davos in their private planes. You can't beat a man, change your gender and your name. Cheat away a trophy from a Riley Gaines. They're butchering kids as a remedy for feeling confused at puberty. Sailing killer evil as sympathy and getting rich in the sex change industry. Covered face, burn down your business if they don't get their way. Those communists and pedophiles bait and race. Antifa's just a rich man's KKK. Woke is their religion and they've hijacked pride. The straight white male is their antichrist. Yesterday's liberals, today's all right. All right, let's dump that out of there, and let's just... uh... You good, Seth? All right, yeah, I wasn't expecting the F-bomb at the very end of that one. I'm not shocked that it's there because of the passion and the intensity of the lyrics in the first place, Uh, but I did not expect the F-bomb at the end of that, but that is two plus two. 
by the Tennessee Jet, or just Tennessee Jet, a rising country music star who is getting a lot of attention out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, for something he didn't do, which is play a venue called the Mercury Lounge. He was scheduled to appear there to do a concert, do a show. He's doing shows all over the place. This place canceled him. Why? Because of the song 2 Plus 2 that you just heard. And I'm told we are joined now by Tennessee Jet from Tulsa, Oklahoma on AM 1420, The Answer, here in Cleveland, Ohio. Mr. Jet, good to have you on our program. How are you? Hello, I'm great, Bob. Thank you. And hello, Cleveland. Well, and, th- uh, You can just call me Tennessee. My dad's Mr. Jet. <laughs> that'll work i appreciate uh appreciate that you know i as i mentioned to you in a in a direct message on twitter <clears throat> um i i became familiar with your situation because of dr everett piper uh and dr piper of course is a county commissioner there in osage county oklahoma and um osage county i guess it's pronounced and we do a hit every week on this program on Thursdays, and he told me about your song and I and your story, and he was really, really upset about it, the fact that you got canceled. So uh, that's why I did a little dig in here, and I'm so glad to be able to talk to you to tell us more about what in the heck is going on and also about your music. So first of all, before we talk about the Mercury Lounge, Tennessee, let's talk about 2 Plus 2. Powerful, powerful stuff. Why'd you write it? Uh, I wrote it because I felt like there was uh, a lot of people that were just not being heard, uh, that shared the same views and looked around society and noticed things that were going on that were just insane. And uh, and I didn't want people to feel like they were insane for, for thinking that those things were insane and that there would be other people that felt the same way that I did. Uh, so I put it down in a song basically just to expose the madness that's going on and to advocate for some sanity and truth yeah those things are in somewhat short supply right now in our culture aren't they um you know and you you listed a lot of them um but it seems like in, in, while you did cover things like you know face coverings and 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 a lot of the other kind of wokus wokeism type of things that are going on you seem specifically interested in you know the the transing of kids um, and you, you've talked about that, as a matter of fact. What they call gender-affirming care is actually the, you know, the, the bodily mutilation of young kids. Why is that so important to you, Tennessee? It's extremely heartbreaking when you really dig into mm-hmm. it. Um, it's just something that I think that if, if, if people were to actually see what's going on, uh, people are busy. You know, they've got their day-to-day lives. They've got a provide for their families and these days it's harder and harder to do that and so i as an artist i have the opportunity to delve into things and share my views in song and uh and i just when i when i when i dug into that this song has taken a while to write because it's very there's a lot of sensitive topics in it and i wanted to be well informed and i wanted to really challenge every view and everything that I'd put forth in the song as best I could. Um, and uh, that was just one in particular, that the, the issue of, of uh, minors being transitioned. And then when you look at the medical, medical industry and the, the profit opportunities they have for that, it just really struck me as something I think that even if you may disagree with uh, the war in Ukraine or something like that, which I do talk about that a lot, yes, my views do. on that. Yep. Um, I think that if anyone with a with a 
with a, with a sensible, reasonable mind looked into the issue of transitioning minors, I think they would be hard-pressed if they trusted their, their heart and their gut to not see that there's something about this that's sinister. I think that's a good word. We're talking to Tennessee Jed. He is a rising country music star out of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. His song is Two Plus Two. And was it was it the the trans part of this uh, song and your your views on on protecting kids against what they call gender affirming care? Because you know the truth of it. Is that what got you bounced by the Mercury Lounge? That is what they said. Yes. And the thing about the show is this song came out in September. I released it on my socials and i knew there was an issue that the venue we got word that there was an issue from the from the staff at the venue with the song mm-hmm. the, the mercury lounge they pride themselves on being very inclusive and open-minded but as we know oftentimes the things that people say that they are is actually the things that they're not uh, especially these days and they uh and so we reached out to them asked them if if there was going to be an issue with the song, we hadn't released any tickets yet. This gig at that point was still two months out, mm-hmm. uh, three months out actually. And uh, they said, they said, no, there's, we're all good. And they released tickets the next week and sold tickets for two months. And then less than a month out, they canceled the show. So they knew about it. They confirmed the show, uh, you know, I should say reconfirmed the show and then canceled it less than a month out. I'm guessing that their staff may have put enough pressure on them where they just, Caved. I don't know the uh, the ownership there. Doesn't seem like they. It seems like the inmates are in the asylum. I'll put it that way. And they canceled. They, they canceled. And we asked, well, why did you cancel it? Um, because over the song, you know, there's a lot of the song talks about a lot of things. And they said uh, specifically what they referred to as transphobic uh, rhetoric. And so, uh, from what I gather, they have a problem with the, with with women or with men competing in. Uh, women's sports and sharing locker rooms and with you know, so-called uh, gender-affirming care for minors. Mm-hmm. So they they knew about the song. They said, no problem. Then two months later, after selling tickets for two months, they say you can't do that. Uh, they didn't say what changed their mind because the lyrics didn't change, right? From September and, and October when they said it was all good to, to December, the lyrics didn't change, right? No, nothing changed. Uh, the I don't know if, if it would just become a mounting pressure or if they wanted to actually hurt my chances of rebooking a show in, in town. In December, it's, it's difficult to book things on short notice, uh, especially less than a month out. And you're dealing with Christmas and you're dealing with holidays, so there's certain dates that you actually wouldn't book because most people are going to be spending time with their families for Christmas sure. and their Christmas events. So it became difficult. Fortunately, we found a place called the Blackbird on Pearl in Tulsa that had that was open that we could book show in but yeah i don't i don't i I can't speak as their motives of why they waited so long they could have easily just we could have easily resolved this in september um instead they chose to go forward with it and and make where i had to refund tickets for all my fans to put them through that Uh, i didn't want my fans coming to town uh, people that had booked hotels and made plans uh to just not to not have a show so we were going to play somewhere i probably would have played in an arby's parking lot (laughs) if i had to just to make sure that we don't cancel shows. Tennessee, tell me, um, tell me about your other music. Uh, is this is this your one, you know, politically driven or personally driven, you know, kind of kind of song, or is this kind of thing uh, throughout your music? 
No, this is definitely throughout my music. It's been something that's. I made a decision really early on that I, if, if I wanted to be an artist that stood for something and uh, spoke about things that I believed in, if I wanted to be someone that was purely popular, um, and it's it's real. It, it, it's it's a lot tougher if you make decisions that are going to uh, create uh, cause people to. I think more so in songs as opposed to just being someone that plays music for people to just come out and dance to or, or party to. And I have plenty of those songs as well. I don't want people to just, my show is, is, is a welcoming show and show that everyone needs to have a good time and enjoy themselves. But there's also a lot of very heady material uh, throughout the show, things that I just want to point out in society, things that I want ultimately to bring people together. And so there's been songs mine throughout my catalog, and anyone can go to TennesseeJet.com and uh, go th- or go to Spotify or Apple Music and those things, and go listen to songs like "Drifting" or "Numb," a song that I put out during the pandemic. Uh, there's at least a record's worth of material that are very specifically either social cause or uh, would, some would say, would call political, and it's it's all out there. And then uh, I've, I've been doing music like this for the last 15 years. Wow. So so here's what I'm wondering. We're talking to Tennessee Jet. He's a country music singer out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, who has kind of gone viral, not just for his song, but for the cancellation he suffered at the hands of uh, woke cancel culture from a venue called the Mercury Lounge. If uh, anybody is from Oklahoma, I would uh, I would highly recommend avoiding that place. But um, but Tennessee Jet, um, in some ways. Can you be glad this happened? I would not have heard of you. Dr. Piper would not have told me about you. He wouldn't have heard about you either had this cancellation not happened. Sometimes these idiots don't have any idea what they're doing. If they try to silence a viewpoint that they disagree with, like the one you present in your music, they end up amplifying it times a million. Uh, And people all over the country are probably reaching out to you about your music to do interviews with you like this one. This could be one of the best things that ever happened to you. And if it is, good, because this is what they deserve for trying to cancel somebody because they disagreed with their viewpoint. Well, I want as many people to hear the song as as possible. And more importantly, I want as many people to talk about the things in the song Mm -hmm. that I bring up. I find that people don't, they expect people with with com- what I call what I consider common sense views or alternate views to the radical woke, they expect you to just give up and quit whenever you're pushed to just say, "Okay, well, not worth my time." Or, but but I rather than backing down, I'm taking the double down approach because I think that there's a lot of people out there that would that think the way that I do that would love to express these things, but they're concerned. They don't want to. Times are tough. They don't want to lose their job. They don't want to be ostracized and make it harder for them to, to get work. I put myself in a position, fortunately, that they can try to cancel me all they want, and I'm going to be fine. There's going to be God's going to provide a roof over my head and food on the table. I've got people that that, that love me and, and care and uh, respect that I do. I've got plenty of fans that are that are that feel the same way, and so in a sense, uh, we're all fighting this together. And I think that 2024 is going to make 2020 look like a a cakewalk. It's going to put it to shame in terms of how much anarchy and, and craziness is going to go on. I think that at some point, artists who I feel like have really let everyone down since 2020, not all of them, but for the most part, I believe that musicians have, and songwriters have not spoken the truth because they're afraid of 
what it might do to their career. And I think that you're not going to have a choice in 2024. You're going to have to, there's going to be a line drawn in the sand and you're going to have to pick which side that you're on. You're either the side for sanity and truth, uh, and togetherness or you're on the side for, uh, chaos and disorder. And so I, I just felt like it's a time that it's really in a, in a call to action for other artists. Hopefully it'll inspire other artists to come out and to, to speak the truth. And, and it doesn't mean that everyone has to agree with what everyone says. Um, it doesn't mean someone has to agree with their views, but the right to say those views and express those views, particularly in the arts, particularly in music venues, is just vitally essential to a free society. So are you signed with a label right now, Tennessee? No, I've, I've, I've had label deals, distribution deals. Uh, they, they work for some people. I find, though, that whenever you're in positions like that, you've got a lot of people that are, they, they want to control the, what, you, what you sing, what you write, and it just doesn't make sense for me. I think in, in today's day and age with, with the, the things like Spotify and Apple Music, uh, I think the independent artists, uh, are in a better position. If, you, if you're really going to go out and speak about these types of things, you don't want someone looking over your shoulder saying like, well, hey, we're going to lose this opportunity if you keep talking like this. Um, my, my idea is that I need to be speaking truth to power and that signing with the majority of labels would be actually siding with the, the side of people that I need to be able to criticize. I'm not saying they're all like that. I think there's some great labels and distribution uh, outlets out there, but as of right now, uh, I have no... I have no intention of signing with any publisher or label. I'm perfectly happy being totally independent. You know, what you just said is pretty much the same thing John Rich told me. I interviewed John Rich for a different show uh, a couple of days ago, and I asked him that question. He's independent for the exact same reason. Uh, But the reason I asked you about this is because... I just read an article in the Independent uh, Journal Review that compares you to Oliver Anthony in terms of your song taking, you know, catching fire and people not having heard of you before, those who don't know you outside of Oklahoma. And Oliver Anthony was offered a big old contract by by some labels, and he turned it down after he did Richmond, North Richmond. So I'm just wondering if they come knocking, if you're going to be listening, because, you know, it's one thing to... It's one thing to sing about what you want and, and stand on your principles. It's another thing to turn down a boatload of money. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a real materialistic person. I have a few guitars. Uh, I've got a, a small house out in the country that I like. And I've got, like I said, I've got people that care for me. And it, it, these, these things are not things that I, that I think about. And so... And I don't know. I don't know Oliver, and I can't speak for him. Um, I'm a fan of anyone that's, that is willing to write a song and that they that they believe in. And I love that he's catching fire. I love that he reads the Bible whenever he's on a whenever he's on podcast. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know the guy personally, but I've listened to I've listened to him on podcast, and I just think that uh, I think that's a good thing. It's an inspiring thing. The artist, you know, that's a that's a pretty bold thing. That's that's a lot bolder, actually. And then putting the song out, um, I think that it's, it's bolder him, him uh, citing the Bible on podcasts than the song that he put out. Um, and I think that the song that he put out is reaching a lot of people. I don't actually think the song is that similar thematically to my song. Uh, I think that uh, he, he, he touches on a, a few specific things, and it, whereas my song t- touches on some specific other things. Uh, I'm a big fan of the guy's voice, big fan that he... Uh, that he's speaking out and 
and I and I and I wish him the best and hope that more people will come out and and speak about things that other people are trying to suppress. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm a big fan of yours now, and uh, you are on my playlist. I've already downloaded that song. I'm looking at your webpage now, and it looks like I've got more to download. Uh, TennesseeJet.com is the website for Tennessee Jet. You can listen to uh, 2 Plus 2 there and some of his other songs. It's got tour dates and and locations and show dates and so forth, so check it out at TennesseeJet.com. Listen, you're, you're a patriot because you're standing up for what you believe in, and you're standing up for kids, too, and you're doing it in the face of a very dangerous thing called cancel culture. So you have my respect, and I promise you, you have the respect of every listener uh, in the sound of our voices right now. Tennessee Jet, thank you for what you're doing, man. Keep up the good work. Well, thank you for having me on here. And if there's, if people ask me all the time, how can they be helpful? And really the biggest thing is just to share the song and to talk about the song. Uh, I've learned a lot about shadow banning and how social media will uh, suppress suppress thoughts that are counter to what they want, the narrative they want out there. So. Uh, that would really be the best thing. And uh, God bless you, and thank you for having me on the show. All the time, man, they shadow ban. You're exactly right. We've got to push back against it. We've got to unite together. So I will definitely make sure uh, I share this. and uh, and I'll... Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob Prantz on The Answer. Yeah, I'm still a huge fan of uh, Oliver Anthony's um, Richmond, North of Richmond. He's right, Tennessee Jet. If you missed the interview, you should hear it. Uh, It'll be up uh, along with the rest of the show and the interview with Max Miller from this morning and the conversation with Peter Kersenow. It'll be up on uh, whkradio.com very shortly. But Tennessee Jet, um, the country music singer from Tulsa, you know, said that the songs aren't the same. And it's true, they're not. The messages were were a little bit different. He is much, much more is Tennessee Jet direct with his very specific points of view on uh, ideology. But um, Oliver Anthony's was was more direct than people want to give it credit for, um, including Oliver Anthony. Oliver Anthony, when he made uh, Richmond North of Richmond. He tried to say that, hey, this is not really, you know, uh, one side or the other. I'm kind of against both sides. And uh, when they used his um, his song um, at the uh, first Republican debate back in like June or something like that, and they asked the candidates to respond to it because of what it spoke to, you know, he he mocked that and said, I don't know why they're doing that. You know, those are some of the guys that I'm mad at, some of the guys that have a problem with the way our country is run. But I, I remember playing that song and going through it line by line and the reality is he it's a lot more conservative minded than he wants to believe like so much country music is then maybe he even intended when he criticized you know the abuse of welfare who who's promoting non-stop section 8 ebt cards and so on and so forth um you know big government programs to hand out to people other than democrats it was very much a shot at Democrats. He didn't realize it. He says, your dollar ain't worth blank because it's taxed to no end. Which party gives tax cuts when they're in power and which party raises taxes when they're in power? The Democrat Democrats raise, raise taxes. You know, I listen to, I, I really do. I, I There's a lot of music that I've started to get into. People, you, you, Seth, do you listen to country music generally? Uh Generally, no, but I have listened to a bunch, yeah. Uh, people used to ask me, what kind of music do you like? You know, I was younger, and I'd say ABC, which is anything but country. 
I mean, I'd listen to rap and hip hop uh, before I would listen to country. It was boring to me, and you know the same old jokes about what do you, you know, what do you, what happens uh, when you, what's the joke about you get your dog back? You play country music record backwards, you get your dog back, you get your wife back, and everything else because it's the same old thing. I have gotten so much more in my later years. Uh, in more recent years, into country music because of the messaging. It's the same kind of messaging, by the way, that drives woke country music singers like uh, uh, Taylor Swift out of country music and into pop. Same thing with this Marin Morris. You saw her like last month, right? She she basically said, I'm done with this circus of country music because she didn't like that so much of the music appealed to conservatives and appealed to people who are, quite frankly, you know, America first people. God and country first, people. God and country as in country, the United States, but also country music people. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm a big... I've selling my soul. There he is. Working all day. There's Oliver Anthony. Overtime hours for bullshit play so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me. Just wake up and it not be true, but it is. The left hates this song. They hate it. Living in the new world. With an old soul. Even though Oliver says it's not conservative. Rich men know the rich men. Lord knows it all. Just want to have total control. That's the left. Wanna know what you think. That's the left. Wanna know what you do. That's the left. And they don't think you know. But I know that you do. That's the left. All of those criticisms are leftist talking points. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.